Good morning, Chapel family. Good to see all of you today. Good to be seen by those of you uh, who are worshiping with us online. Welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. And there really is, as Paul said, so many creative um, outpourings of generosity this time of year. I just wanted to update you on one that the chapel is involved in. One of our ministry partners in Patterson is called Street Hope Alive. Really an amazing ministry. Um, All year long, they uh, mentor kids living in uh, usually kind of high-risk neighborhoods in Patterson. And so this afternoon is an annual event that they put on called uh, Christmas in Patterson. So a lot of you have been donating gifts over the last uh, couple of weeks, and you've been very generous. Thank you for that. So last weekend, last Sunday, uh, we had a wrapping party uh, led by our chapel students. So middle school students and and high school students got together and uh, wrapped hundreds of gifts got everything ready for shipment, and just a great time of of doing that. So I just wanted to thank everyone who's been a part of making this happen. Could we just show them our appreciation for that? And uh, it looks like uh, God has given us beautiful weather for this event. And so if you think of it this afternoon, just pray that God will draw people out, that it will be a great time, not just of of giving gifts, but of sharing the Christmas story and singing Christmas carols, and uh, that there will be a lot of kids who just feel really embraced and, um, and touched by the love of Christ. So we're taking Advent season to look at four of the main characters in the original Christmas story and focusing on how they reacted when they heard the message. This is always challenging for us because we've had a lot of Christmases already. And so our feelings about this season are so, we come into it already with so many thoughts, so many um, uh, traditions and nostalgia and joyful things, maybe some painful things. It's all in there when we come to Christmas. For these people, there was none of that. I mean, this was so out of the blue, it was just truly news. And what I've noticed as I've studied this is for every one of these main players in the story, hearing the news moved them to action. They found themselves doing things they never would have done otherwise. And so my goal in this series is to strip away some of the distractions and help us to hear the message fresh and and allow ourselves to be moved by it like like it did for the original hearers. So today we're going to be focusing on um, the original recipients of the birth announcement right after Jesus was born, the shepherds. Um, When the shepherds heard the message of Christmas, they were moved to speak. We are living at a time in history and in a culture where the culture around us, around us encourages us to just really keep our faith to ourself, right? I mean, you've heard it from the time you were young, when you're at a, a, a dinner party, talk about anything you want, just avoid politics and, everybody, especially the religion part, because it's very personal, it's very sensitive, so just stick to sports, stick to the weather, and, you know, everything will be fine. And for a lot of us, it's... we're kind of okay with that because we've had so many bad experiences with people who have spoken out about their faith, right? We've had the, you know, the obnoxious television evangelist that we saw once and we went, oh, maybe that overzealous, you know, Ned Flanders living next door. And we just go, I don't want to be like that. Um, There was a guy when I was at college who um, stood outside one of the main dining halls and he had a microphone and a speaker. And as people came out, he would argue with them about God and the Bible. Abrasive, arrogant, you know, obnoxious. I don't think he convinced a single person, and I didn't want anything to do with him. 
And so for a lot of us, because we've seen things like that, we're, we're generally happy to just kind of keep our head down and, and kind of keep things to ourselves. The problem is when we live that way, first of all, it's actually very unnatural and we're missing out on a really beautiful part of this faith that, that, we, that we are a part of. So when the shepherds heard this message, they were moved to, to speak about it. They didn't become abrasive or obnoxious or arrogant. They spoke from the heart, and, and as they spoke, it had a profound impact, really, on the people around them. So what could that mean for us? Let's take a look at this very familiar passage, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I invite you now to hear God's word. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is the word of the Lord. So the angel said, I bring you good news. That phrase, good news, is actually the same term as gospel. The meaning of gospel, of course, is, is good news. So as I meditated on this passage this last week, there was this one clear thought that really crystallized in my mind, and, and here it is. When the gospel, or the good news, becomes personal, even the most unlikely people speak it powerfully. When the gospel becomes personal, even the most unlikely people find themselves speaking it powerfully. Um, so let's unpack that big idea one phrase at a time. First, when the gospel becomes personal. I think for so many of us, the reason that we're sometimes uncomfortable speaking about faith is that maybe it's not really personal for us. Maybe that's true for you. It's, it's the faith of your parents, but you never really embraced it yourself. Or it was the faith of your fiance, and you went along with it because you wanted to marry her, or him, but you never really owned it for yourself. Or maybe you go through the outward motions of, of the faith, but, but it's not something that you really believe is, is true. Whatever the reason, if it's not personal, um, talking about it is going to seem awkward and, and unnatural, like you're not being true to yourself. And so you probably won't, won't do it. For the shepherds on the hillside, the news that they heard that night became very personal very quickly. And let me just point out three reasons why they realized that this was such a personal message. First of all, because it was a message of wonder. And we all need that. It was a message of wonder. If you were at the Christmas concert last weekend, I spoke about this idea of wonder, which is hard to define, but I think we know it when we're experiencing it. I experienced it four times in hospital delivery rooms. Wondrous. 
I experienced it two days before Thanksgiving. I was in Patterson at the huge community uh, Thanksgiving feast that was put on, hundreds of people around me of every ethnicity, every color, and I was in this great crowd watching as 10 kids that had been uh, ministered to through Street Hope Alive, the ministry we just mentioned, were being baptized at this Thanksgiving dinner. It was just a wondrous moment as we cheered for these kids as they came out of the water. I experienced it about a week and a half ago as I was hiking in the woods near my house. And as I was going and it was beginning to get dark, the first snowfall of winter was happening around me, falling softly in the woods. Just, just wondrous. We all know it, right? We've all experienced wondrous things. I think we experience wonder when, when uh, something that is beautiful and mysterious and bigger than us is happening. And we were designed to experience it. We, it's in our DNA. We're, we're drawn to it. And on that night, on that hillside outside of Bethlehem, those shepherds experienced the greatest wonder that anyone has ever seen. I think sometimes when we think of angels, for some reason, we think of cute, chubby little cherubs that are sort of, you know, flitting around, right? I don't know where we got that idea. Probably, probably medieval art or something like that. That's not what these shepherds experienced that night. There, were, there was no cute, chubby flitting around, happening at all. Every time angels are presented in the Bible, they are presented as these powerful, imposing figures. In fact, almost every time that I read in the Bible, when an angel appears to someone, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Because <laughs> obviously the person's terrified of this angel. And so on the hillside, not only was it the one angel who first showed up that made the announcement, it says that after that, the sky lit up with this great company of the heavenly host, which means an army of angels wrapped in light, worshiping the God of the universe. Can you even imagine the wonder of that moment? I mean, the hair standing up in my neck just thinking about it. At that time, the ruler of the vast Roman Empire was Caesar Augustus. I mean, his power was unrivaled. Everyone cowered when he walked into a room. And yet, when Caesar Augustus was born, we don't have any record that the angels were impressed at all. But when Jesus showed up, the angels could not contain themselves. And they broke out in worship. What a wondrous event. So these shepherds, I mean, they might have been simple, uneducated people, but they had the same longing for wonder as humans that, that we do. And the announcement of this child's birth filled them with wonder like nothing they'd ever experienced. They, they realized this is what they were looking for. If this is not personal to you, would you allow the wonder of Christmas, push some of the traditions and the nostalgia out of the way, would you allow the wonder of God showing up to just fill your heart? Secondly, this was personal because it was a message of inclusion. Inclusion. Shepherds were not used to being included in much, in, in many things. They, you know, the work that they did required them to work with diseased animals and, and dead animals, which means, according to the Jewish law, they were ceremonially unclean. They weren't allowed in the Jewish temple. We actually have historical uh, information that shepherds were not permitted to be called as witnesses in a court case because everybody knew you can't trust those guys. That was their reputation. So shepherds were just used to being sort of overlooked, shut out, not invited. But then this message came, of all people, to them. Hey, I bring you good news. This will be good news for all people, including you. A savior has been born for you. You were, you're gonna find a baby, 
I invite you to come and find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Everything about this message was welcoming and including and, 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 and inclusive. And sure enough, they, they took the angels up on the offer. They went and found the, the, the baby and they were welcomed right in. Something about the birth of this baby made these, these unincluded people suddenly feel like, yeah, we want you. Some of you need to hear that message because the message that you hear from culture and from the people around you far too often is no, uh, we don't want you. You're not welcome here. We don't want anything to do with you. And you need to see that the message of Christ and not just as a baby, but Christ and his ministry, it was an arms open welcoming message. Man, we need that as human beings. This baby showed up to make unincluded people feel included. Maybe you need to feel that. You need to personalize that this Christmas. And then third, it was, a, it was a personal thing because it was a message of peace. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. There was a kind of peace that was talked about a lot in, in that time, and, and they called it the Pax Romana. means Roman peace, of course. And that was the peace that existed between all the nations in the Roman Empire. The thing is, the Pax Romana was enforced by, by brutal, you know, violence. If you stepped out of line, you know, we will, we will make you have peace with us. The shepherds knew all about that kind of peace. It didn't make them feel particularly peaceful inside. And they longed for a better peace. And in this announcement they received that night, they recognized this is an announcement of the kind of peace I'm really looking for. What they didn't realize at the time is that this Jesus who was born would go to the cross, would bridge the gap between the main lack of peace, which is between God and people. He would take care of that at the cross. And that when you have that kind of peace, it's, it's a peace that the world can't take away. I've just been thinking a lot lately that it, the, it, things are just messy lately, you know, in, in, in the world and, and in life. And it is so easy to lose sleep over that and, and just to, to lack peace. This is the peace that we're looking for. The Prince of Peace who came to give us the peace that passes all understanding. Um, if you don't have that, if you've never tasted that, this will not be personal to you. Allow the peace of God to come through this Messiah that was sent. When the gospel becomes personal, then even the most unlikely people um, speak it powerfully. So if you never find yourself speaking about your faith, about, about God, about spiritual things, maybe it's because it's never really become personal to you. On that hillside, the shepherds realized that what they were hearing wasn't just a message of something that happened, like, oh, like, a, like you hear something on the news, a historical event. They somehow realized this was about them. This was actually the wonder and the inclusion and the peace that they always knew they wanted, and they realized this was, this was happening to them. So this Christmas, would you let it, let it become personal? Maybe for the first time. Maybe, maybe it means kind of pushing some of those traditions, some of those nostalgia things aside, and, and feeling the force of it head on. Let it become personal. When the, gospel mess, or when the gospel becomes personal, here's the next part. Even the most unlikely people. Um, if you had a message that you wanted to get out there, you wanted to spread quickly, you wanted to get into the hands of as many people as possible, what kinds of messengers would you entrust that, that message to? I would think people with a lot of cultural pull, right? People with a lot of, uh, of respect and regard in the culture. Marketers have known this for a long time. 
right? That's why you know, they, they tend to market their products through people that are well-regarded in, in society. You should wear Nikes, because Tiger Woods does, right? You should drive a Lincoln, because Matthew McConaughey does. You should use a George Foreman grill, because, well, George Foreman does, right? And so marketers have known for a long time that regardless of the quality of the product, if you've got the right spokesperson who's pushing it, a lot of people will buy it just because they, they, they respect that person. So here's this message of the birth uh, of Christ that God wants the world to know. If he followed that strategy of marketing, you know who he would never pick? <laughs> Shepherds. They, they, were, they were not the Tiger Woods and the Matthew McConaughey of their day at all. They were uneducated, they were disrespected, they were disregarded. So why did God do it that way? I think it's this, because he knew that the real life-changing power is not in the carrier of the message, it's in the message itself. It's not in the packaging at all. Um, it's in the product. And so I found that God has this habit, not just here with the shepherds, God has this habit throughout the Bible of delivering the most precious truth through the most unlikely sources so there won't be any mistake where the real power actually lies. This is what Paul the Apostle talks about, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Listen, but we have this treasure, the message of Christ, in jars of clay. And the Bethlehem shepherds were like clay jars. They were weak, they were breakable, very unimpressive. Okay, why would God do that? Here it is to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So when the shepherds went out and they started talking to people about this, this message of wonder and inclusion and peace found through Christ, God didn't want anybody to be distracted by the charm or the charisma of the shepherds because he wanted everyone's focus to be on the message itself because that's where the power lies. Back in the 1970s, there was this huge Christian convention, like 17,000 people in attendance. And there were three um, keynote speakers that were invited to speak at the, at, the, at, the, uh, at the convention. One was Jimmy Carter. He had just become president that year, and so he was kind of popular at the time. Um, the second one was Billy Graham, who needs no introduction. And the third was a truck driver that no one ever heard of. So this convention happened, the truck driver happened to be seated next to President Carter in the, in the, you know, in the front row, and before the, the, uh, his time to speak, he leaned over to President Carter, he said, I've never given a speech in my life, I don't think I can live through this. And Carter, I'm sure, in his friendly way, tried to encourage him. So President Carter got up and spoke, and it was very inspiring. Uh, Billy Graham got up, and it was powerful as always. And then the truck driver was next. So he got up in front of these 17,000 people, um, he just stood there for a minute. Somebody brought him a glass of water and he, and, he, and he took a sip. And then he finally started mumbling into the microphone. He said, I was always drunk. I didn't have any friends. The only people I knew were guys like me who hung around the bars in my town. He went on to talk about how someone told him about Christ and he was so desperate. He had so little in life that he believed. He just said, okay, I, I'm, I, I buy this. Figured he should tell some other people about it. So after he had gotten up his confidence by going to a few Bible studies, he started going back to the bars and talking to his, the people that he knew about what had happened in his life since he had believed in Christ. Some of the bartenders got annoy, annoyed with him, said, this is bad for business. You have to stop this at the bars. But he kept on going. He kept on talking about his experience. 
Um, after a while, a few guys at the bar started asking questions. And he said, at first, this is quoting him, at first they treated me like a joke. But I came up with the questions, uh, I kept up with the questions, and when I couldn't answer one, I went and got the answer and I came back with it. 14 of my friends gave their lives to Christ. So Jimmy Carter was reflecting on this event and he wrote this, the truck driver's speech was, of course, the highlight of the convention. I don't believe anyone who was there will ever forget that five minute fumbling statement or remember what I or even Billy Graham had to say. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the power is from God and not from us. That's why God chose shepherds. It was the beginning of this very intentional strategy to show the world a message that's so powerful, even the most unlikely people can deliver it. The reality of the message more than compensates for the weakness of the messenger. When the gospel becomes personal, even the most unlikely people speak it powerfully. And I think sometimes we don't talk about faith because we feel like we're too unlikely. We feel unqualified. You know, I'm not, I'm not educated enough. I'm not polished enough. I'm not spiritual enough. You know, I, I just don't qualify. And the shepherds were not any of those things enough. Um, but God used them because they spoke honestly about their experience. They realized they were just beggars telling fellow beggars where they had found some bread. And that's just exactly what we are. When the gospel becomes personal, even the most unlikely people, here's the last part, speak it powerfully. Speak it powerfully. So verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They spread the word. The Greek phrase literally says they made known what was told them about this child. They made it known. They went out to people, some of them probably people that they knew already, some of them probably people that they had never met, people who had no idea about spiritual matters, some people who had some probably warped ideas about spiritual matters, and they basically said, this is, this is what we've seen. Uh, through this child that was born, you can find it, the, the, the wonder and the inclusion and the peace that your heart is looking for. And verse 18 says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Doesn't say they all immediately were convinced. They didn't necessarily all fall to their knees and become worshipers of Jesus on the spot. They probably still had some questions, but, but they were amazed because they heard this intriguing message from some really unlikely people, and it made them stop and question what they thought they knew about the most important things in life. Let me ask you a personal question. From what you say, does it ever have this effect on people? Never make people stop and think about, question what they thought they knew about the most important things in life. If you always play it safe and talk about sports and the weather and things like that, then you never have the joy of being used by God to bring a message that could potentially change somebody's life. Before we share in communion today, let me give you two examples of people who in response to the message of Christ were moved to speak. One of them took place about 55 years ago um, and the other one took place uh, just a few weeks ago. So first, the one that took place uh, just a few weeks ago. It was spoken by uh, an NFL head coach, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. His name is Frank Reich. So after his team won a game back in November, 
Uh, he was at the post-game press conference, and here's what he said. I don't do this often, but I just wanted to start out by saying something personal. Some people know that our team has been using the metaphor of climbing Mount Everest to parallel our quest to make it to the top. It doesn't take long to figure out that this metaphor doesn't merely apply to football. So I just wanted to offer a word of encouragement, really, to anyone out there who's in the midst of a struggle. In particular, I'm thinking of a few friends who I know are going through some stuff. I want to give a personal account to where I found my strength for the journey. And then he actually quoted the lyrics from a song you might have heard. In Christ alone, I place my trust, and I find my glory in the power of the cross. This was an NFL coach at a press conference a couple weeks ago. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ alone. And then he said, so my encouragement is to keep climbing and to find the strength and power that you need in Jesus Christ. If you follow professional sports, you know uh, that's kind of rare for a coach to talk about personal things, much less to talk about their faith like that. But, but you just get the clear idea that for Frank Reich, this is just who he is. It is personal for him. Uh, and when it's personal, you speak it naturally. And believe me, all who heard it were amazed. The final example took place uh, actually 56 years ago uh, in 1965. A cartoonist named Charles Schultz was pitching this crazy idea for a Christmas special to CBS. It was called a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, most of you probably know that the highlight of that show is where Linus um, goes out on the stage and spotlight goes on him and he actually recites the story that we just looked at from Luke chapter two. Um, and he just recites it from, from scripture straight up. And so uh, when, when Linus is done with that, the kind of the famous line he says, and that Charlie Brown, is the real meaning of Christmas. So Charles Schultz pitched this idea to, to the network, and it was kind of a rough cut of that, of that show, and they hated it. They said, it's way too slow. Nobody's gonna wanna watch this. And one of the guys, uh, the executive producer at CBS, Lee Mendelson, said to Schultz, you can't read from the Bible on network television. Duh. <laughs> Would have been so easy for Schultz to back down or just to you know, remove that part, but for some reason, he knew he had to kind of hold his ground, and CBS decided to take a chance and run it. And that first year, it captured an unbelievable 50% of the TV viewing audience in America tuned in and watched it. It went on and won an Emmy Award, it won a Peabody Award. 56 years later, it continues to be one of the most beloved Christmas specials in the English-speaking world, because one man was moved to speak, and so he did it, and people were amazed. I wonder what it would look like for you to use whatever platform God has given you just to speak from the heart. I mean, it might entail some risk, might entail your heart beating a little faster. You might be amazed, and people might be amazed to hear what you have to say. When, when the gospel becomes personal, even the most unlikely people, shepherds, truckers, Coaches, cartoonists, <laughs> etc. Even the most unlikely people speak it powerfully. Um, and it's the same with us.